Well, good morning, Abundant Life Church. How are you guys doing today? It's good to see you here. I'm so glad you're here. Today, we are continuing a series that we started just last week called Narrative, Life is a Story. And uh, Pastor Jeremy Jernigan, our new lead pastor, uh, launched the series last week. And didn't he do an amazing job? Wasn't it just a phenomenal message? It really was. And I'm excited today that I get to continue the series and talk with you about Abundant Life's story. You know, all of history is God's story. God is moving all of history to his redemptive purposes. And he uses events and he uses circumstances. And the amazing thing is you and I get to be a part of that. I don't know if you ever stopped to think about that. We get to be a part of this story that he's writing. And he uses people like you and he uses people like me to write that story. He uses churches like Abundant Life Church to write that story. And so today I'm excited to share our journey with you. If you're new here to Abundant Life Church, or maybe you're here for the first time today, you picked a great Sunday to be here because it's an opportunity to hear about how God has worked in this church. And I, I know that today's going to be a little bit of a different message. It's, this is kind of like conducting family business. And so I'm inviting you into our living room today and for you to get a chance just to get a peek at how God has worked in this church. For those of you who don't know, uh, my wife Ann and I started Abundant Life Church 28 years ago. It's amazing. It just flown by. And here's a picture of us when we moved here. Now, that's, uh, I mean, th some things get better with age, don't they? And that, that is not her first husband, okay? That's me, and uh, I'm, I'm like a fine wine. I, I just, I think I get better with age. How many of you would agree with me on that? Amen. Amen. And so this past week, I was thinking, how in the world do you take 28 years and condense it into about 30 or 35 minutes? Well, the reality is, you can't do that. It's impossible. But I was thinking about the word seasons. In fact, I was sitting last week listening to uh, Pastor Jeremy teach, and as he was teaching, uh, God just laid on my heart the word seasons. And, and I realized, you know, Abundant Life Church is, has gone through many different kinds of seasons, and we're in a season right now. In fact, I'm reading a book by Dr. Henry Cloud. The book is called Necessary Endings. And in the book, he, at the very start of the book, he writes this statement. He says, life is composed of life cycles and seasons. Nothing lasts forever. And so we're all in different seasons. You're in a season right now. And we go through you know, seasons of celebration, seasons of pain, and, and all kinds of, of seasons. And so today, what I want you to do, what I want you to think about is to, and in this series, to think about your life. And I would encourage you sometime in this series to sit down long enough to think back across the course of your life and consider the different seasons that God has allowed you to go through and how he's woven those seasons into the story that he's writing with your life right now. What I did this past week was I sat down and kind of looked for some things that I'm going to encourage you to look for in your own story. For example, one of the things I would encourage you to look for is the name of the season. Identify the season that you went through. That'll make more sense in just a few moments. The next thing is to look for different scriptures that God lays on your heart, or maybe that were especially important to you in that season of your life. They could have been scriptures that uh, got you regrounded, got you centered, maybe encouraged you, but look for different scriptures. 
Look for those it just so happened moments. They happen all the time. Now, what I mean by that is if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you and I understand that nothing just happens. And so God is working in and around us all the time. But you and I have to stop long enough to consider and look for the, the moments that we would say, you know what? It just so happened. In other words, God was there and God was guiding and leading. Look for the lessons that you can learn. God has lots of opportunities for you and me to learn lessons. But in order for you and me to learn them, we've got to slow down. We've got to stop long enough and to consider, God, what is it you're trying to teach me in this season of my life? And then there's a question that I would have you ask, and that question is, how does God want me to respond to this season? Because God does not want you to allow this season to come and go, and that you waste it, and that you don't respond the way that he wants you to. So those are the kinds of things I'm going to draw out as I consider the different seasons that Abundant Life has gone through. Now, this church is 28 years old, and honestly, I could probably point to 28 different seasons that God has allowed us to go through. But we don't have time for that today, and so I've just narrowed it down to four. So can somebody say amen? Amen. We got it down to four. And so as I see it, Abundant Life story began with a season that I call a season of awareness. Awareness is when God opens your eyes to a new opportunity. Awareness is when God opens your eyes perhaps to a new direction that he wants to take you. I believe that Abundant Life Church began back when I was living in Indianapolis and in a ministry there, but I was going to school in Kentucky. I was going to, to school at Kentucky Christian University. And I was sitting in a class one day, and Professor Lawson said to a group of us guys as we were talking about church growth, he says, for some of you guys, if you're ever going to be in a growing church, then you're going to need to go out and just start your own church. And I thought, oh my goodness, I have never, ever, ever given the thought of starting a church. Never crossed my mind. It was a moment of awareness for me. Well, I believe that was a moment where God was speaking to me through Scripture, and I, don't, I didn't really realize it at the time, but as I look back, I, I think about Isaiah 43, 19, where God says, watch for the new thing I'm going to do, because God is always moving. God is always doing new things, and I, and I believe it was a season for us of awareness where God wanted to do some new things. Well, it just so happened that in Chicago, Illinois, there was a seminar that was being offered that was tailor-made to what I believe God was doing in our life, and the seminar was called How to Plant a Church. Well, you don't get a whole lot clearer than that. And so I said to my wife, we need to go up to Chicago and learn how to plant a church. And the problem was we didn't have any money. We had no money. I mean, I'm a poor pastor. You know, pastors are poor. You guys know that, right? And so uh, we were a poor pastor, and, and, and I said, yeah, we got the time. We had the time to go. We just didn't have the money. Well, it just so happened that my wife managed 50 rental properties in Indianapolis. And there was an ice storm that came through, much like the ice storm we had here last year, and it totally shut down the city. Well, all of these limbs and, and trees and stuff had, had been fallen down in the yards of these 50 rental homes, and she needed somebody to clean the mess up. And so I said, well, why don't you hire me? 
and you pay me, and we'll take the money that you pay us, and we'll go up to Chicago, and we'll learn how to plant a church. And so we did. We, we took the money, and we went up, and we, we learned how to plant a church. So we went up there, and uh, we left that seminar thinking, we can do this. We can do this. And, and so we, we had this notion that, okay, if God wants us to plant a church, we both love the sunshine. And we just knew that God was going to call us to a sunny place, get us out of cold, wintry Indianapolis and call us to a sunny state uh, and, you know, where there's warmth and sunshine. Uh, but I think there was a mix-up somewhere along the line because it, it wasn't a sunny place that God was calling us to. You know where it was? It was sunny side. And I thought, come on, God, that was not fun. That was a cruel joke that, that you played on us to, and all that. And then about probably... Uh, two or three weeks later, uh, I mean, so, so we went down to Phoenix. We actually went down to Phoenix, Arizona and, and uh, interviewed with an association down there. And uh, they said, hey, we like you guys, and we want you to come and plant this church, but just don't go burn any bridges just yet. And it's a good thing we didn't because they never called us back. They never sent us a letter or anything. And, and so, we got, well, I guess God closed the door on that place. No, you know, not going to find any sign down in Phoenix, maybe someplace else. Well, then about... Three weeks later, I received a letter from a church planting association in Detroit, Michigan. Now, let me tell you something about me. I have uh, the spiritual gift of discernment. And I could discern immediately that that letter was of the devil, okay? And there was, there was no way on earth that God was calling me to that God-forsaken place called Detroit, Michigan. I pray that there's nobody here from Detroit, Michigan. If you are, would you, would you raise your hand? Okay, good, good, good. I, I, can, I guess I can say that stuff now because I'm kind of on my way out and I really don't care. <laughs> but anyway, so I threw the letter away. I, I, I did, I threw the letter away. Well, then Portland, Oregon came onto the radar. Now, honestly, Ann and I didn't even know where Portland, Oregon was. We had never been past Oklahoma City at that time in our life. Well, it just so happened that one of the leaders in the church in Indianapolis moved to Southern California. And one day he was up here in Oregon because he was good friends with the director of the association here in Portland that wanted to start this church. And so one day they were talking and Doral Campbell, who's since gone on to be with the Lord, he was talking with Jim. He said, uh, we're looking for a sharp, smart, energetic, dynamic, good-looking couple <laughs> to, to come to Portland and start a church. And he says, well, I don't know anybody like that. <laughs> and he says, but I do know of another couple back in Indianapolis. And so, and so they sent this letter to us uh, to come and, and plant a church. I still have the letter. I kept, this is the original, this is not a copy, and this is the original letter dated September 15, 1988. And it begins by saying, go west, young man, go west. Those were the words that were spoken many years ago and words which are still being spoken today. And he goes on and talks about how, like, nobody in Oregon or the Northwest goes to church and all that stuff. And would you like to come out and plant a church? And so we, we flew out. We decided to fly out in this interview because, hey, we're probably not going to do it, but it would be a great opportunity to get a free trip out to Oregon. And so we did. We flew out to Oregon and to Portland, and we interviewed with this, this, um, this team. And I remember the words they spoke to us, they, they said to us, we envision a church of a thousand people, a thousand people. And I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, 
I've never been a senior pastor. I have never started a church. I've never even been in a church over 300 people. Sure, we could, we could do that. Yeah, yeah we, we could do that. And so we flew back home. We sold our house in two weeks over Christmas, and we drove back to Virginia, said goodbye to our family, and then drove out to Portland. And we did like what everybody else does when they come to Portland from the south. What do they do? They stop at the Welcome to Oregon sign. And, uh, and so there we are. There's, there's George, and there's Justin, and there's Nathan. And, uh, and, 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 and what I remember about that is it was raining that day, and it rained for 42 stinking days straight. And I'm thinking, come on, God. This is not the sunny place that, that I had in, in, in mind. But anyway, so we, we come there and we arrive. Now, here's the lesson that as I look back on that and think about it, here's the lesson that I believe God was helping me to understand. The lesson is this. You won't experience new things with God in your comfort zone. You've got to get out of your comfort zone. If you want to experience new things, if your life with Jesus is boring, if it's mundane, if nothing exciting is happening, my guess is it's because you're really comfortable with where you are. And sometimes you just have to get out of that comfort zone. And so we claimed this verse because i got to tell you what, we were scared and, and we, we knew we didn't really know what we were doing, but we claimed a verse that we hung on to this verse like nobody's business in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I want you to read this with me. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Don't you love that verse? That's the verse we claimed and we said, God, we don't have the ability. We don't have the experience. We don't have the knowledge to go start a church, but we're available to do it. And so, God, if you can work through us, then, then we'll do it. But we're trusting you, God, to do more than what we ask. We're trusting you to do more than what they ask of a church of a thousand, but we can imagine a church even bigger than that. And that's the verse we claimed, and we moved out here on that verse. Now, here's a question that I want to ask you. How does God want you to respond when you enter a season of awareness, when God raises your awareness of something new that he wants to do in your life? Well, I think the answer is very simple. I think the answer is to step out. It's to step out. When, when God uh, presents you with a new opportunity, when, when God raises your level of awareness to where he wants to move you in a new place, to take you to a new direction, to give you a new dream, you're not going to experience that in your comfort zone. You've got to step out, and you've got to step out into what I oftentimes call the God zone. You step into the God zone. And the reason I call it the God zone is because when you step out there, you realize, God, if you don't come through, then I'm sunk and we're both going to look bad. And, and this is impossible for us to do on our own. And this is what I discovered, that God works in the realm of impossibility. God loves long shots. Don't you, aren't you glad? He loves long shots. And so God works in the realm of impossibility because it's in that realm that he brings about the greatest victories and the greatest blessings in your life. But you've got to be willing to step out. You've got to step out. So here's a question for you today. What new thing do you sense God is wanting to do in your life right now? Ask yourself that question. What new thing do you think God wants to do? Now, you would think that whenever you follow God, that he would make it relatively easy for you. 
Wouldn't you think so? I mean, doesn't it make sense when, when you say, okay, God, we don't know what we're doing, but we're trusting you, and, and we want you to get the glory and all of that, and, and, and so you ought to make it easy. Well, how many of you have discovered that he does anything but? I mean, that's just the way it is. It, I mean, it, it's just crazy, and I've heard people say, and you've heard people say, well, it must not be God's will. Yeah, because it's just too hard, and the people aren't coming, and, and the, the money is not showing up, and I guess it's just not God's will. I guess, it's just, I guess I'm just not in God's will doing this. Well, what I've discovered is that when the way is difficult, that you're exactly where God wants you to be. And sometimes we think God needs to make everything easy. And so I, I came to the conclusion that the second season of our church life is one that I call a season of perseverance. A season of perseverance. And what it means to persevere is to do something despite difficulty or delay or discouragements. And we had a lot of those in the early days. We had a lot of difficulties in the early days, a lot of delays, a lot of discouragement. Uh, to, to begin with, we couldn't even find a place to meet as a church. We had set the date of June the 4th, 1989 to be the first Sunday we'd meet, and we didn't have a place. When I arrived here, the first place I looked at was the Pleasant Valley Seventh-day Adventist Church. Well, guess what? A week before I arrived, another church rented that facility. So I said to the pastor, I said, listen, if they ever move out, let us know because we'd be interested. So we kept looking and kept looking, and the only place we could find was the Pleasant Valley Elementary School right over here on Ritchie Road in Foster. In fact, here's a, a picture of one of those early services, just a handful of us there, about 50 or so people. And while we were so grateful for that facility, it was just difficult to grow a church in that, in that facility. We couldn't break what is called in church circles the 200 barrier. We couldn't get beyond it. And I remember Peter Wagner back in this How to Plant a Church seminar thing, he said, if you don't break 200, if you go start a church, if you don't break 200 in the first two years, the chances are you never will. And I'm thinking, man, they, they envision a church of 1,000, and we can't get beyond 200. And so this is really tough, and, and, and I'm getting discouraged by this. And, and, then, and, and then one of the worst things that I experienced, and one of the most difficult things, was a challenge to my leadership. Early on, within the first year, I remember it so well, like it happened yesterday, uh, a man in the church, he was a, a lay leader in the church, he invited me out to breakfast. And it was over here at uh, Clackamas at the Denny's restaurant in Clackamas. And I walked in, he's sitting down, and uh, I sat down, and I, and I sat across from him. And I remember the words that came out of his mouth like they came out yesterday. He says, you're not going to like the reason I've called this meeting. He says, we don't like the way you're leading this church, and I've called a meeting of the men of the church because you're a puppet and you're here to do what we tell you to do. I about spit my coffee in his face. <laughs> and I thought to myself, these Oregonians are tough. <laughs> they're, they're, they're mean. They're mean people. But to make a long story short, it actually turned out pretty good. It wasn't easy, but it turned out pretty well. And this, this fellow, here's a picture of him right here. No, I'm just joking. But... <laughs> It, it actually, you're thinking, who, who the crap was that? But anyway, anyway, so, so uh, wait, shoot, where was I going with this thing? They're mean, they're mean people. But it, it turned out well, it turned out well. And actually, he and his family stayed for several years, several years, and were a wonderful blessing to our church. But what happened through that time was God brought good 
He brought good out of that, which is the way God works. Again, you know God does that. He does it all the time. When you go through a difficult season, he typically weaves that to bring good. Well, what came out of that was the development of our first leadership team that eventually would become our first board of elders. And I learned two great lessons during that time, and both of them have to do with people. And here's the first lesson that I, that I learned. If what you are dreaming about you can do all by yourself, then your dream is too small. In other words, I knew I needed a team of people around me. I needed a team of good people around me who could encourage me, who could pray for me, who could share vision with me, and who could cover my back and all of those kinds of things. And and that was so important to get a team of people around me. And that leads to the second lesson, and that's this. Those closest to you will determine your level of success. And so I had to be very strategic. I had to be very careful. I had to be very selective about the people that I brought around me. And so I was able to bring around me people who had great faith, people who had great vision, people who I knew loved me, people that I knew supported me, people who would challenge me, and people whose vision also aligned with the vision and the dream that God had given to us about this church. And what I want to say to you is you always bring around you people who will help you spiral up and who will not bring you down. And so here's the question for you today. How does God want you to respond in the seasons where you must persevere? How does he want you to respond? Well, I think the answer is pretty simple. I think you can find it in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, to stand firm and do not be shaken. Stand firm. I mean, hold your ground. In other words, when, when you come into those moments and those seasons of delay, when you come into those seasons of discouragement, when you come into the seasons of difficulty, God does not want you to run from those things. He wants you to hang in there. He wants you to stand firm. He wants you to, to not be afraid. And, and sometimes he wants you to wait and trust him while he works in and through you on the way to your dream in spite of the delay or the difficulties or discouragements that you might be facing. So here's a question that I want to pose to you today. Where is God calling you right now to persevere? Where is God calling you to hang in there and not give up? You're discouraged, you're frustrated, there seems to be a delay, maybe there's people coming against you or it's difficult or whatever it is, Where does he want you right now to persevere? And you know what that area is. It could be several areas. And here's another question for you. Who are the people who are around you to help you persevere? Because you need a team around you as well. In fact, I would go so far as to say, make sure you have people who are not just with you, but people who are for you. You want people in your life who are for you and who believe in you. Now, the season of perseverance is one that I think it just kind of hangs on. It just kind of lingers. And it's one that you have to go through all the time. It's the nature of perseverance. It's just the way life is. You have to persevere. But as we move into this next season, it's one that I would call a season of walking by faith. There there are a few words that characterize the culture of this church, and one of those words is the word faith. It really defines who we are. Abundant Life Church has always been very intentional to be a church that walks by faith. In other words, we make decisions that are faith-based decisions. And there's a couple reasons why. One, because we know faith is what pleases God. And we wanted to be a church that, that pleases God. But the second reason is because if you are intentional about growing... 
And that's whether it's a church collectively or you personally, if you are intentional about growing, it will constantly call you to take steps of faith. It's just the way it works. If, if you seriously want to grow, you will take steps of faith. You'll put yourself intentionally in places where I don't know how this is going to work out, but God, I'm trusting you. And you have to put yourself in places of, of, of trust. Now, one of the first big steps of faith we had to take was having to add a second worship service. Now, I know that doesn't sound like much, but when you're a church of about 100 people, maybe 150 people, and you announce to the church, guess what? We're going to add a second worship service. That was a step of faith. And the reason is because, and here's why we did that uh, technically, because in order for a church to break 200, you really need to add a second worship service. But people don't like that. And so we had some leaders, um, one in particular, who, who says, I don't like it. I'm against it. And, and uh, if we do this, then, then we're not going to know everybody. That was the big, the big complaint to which I says, well, have you ever thought about the fact that maybe everybody doesn't want to know you? And, and so, and so the, the reality is you're not going to know everybody anyway. Well, it's going to divide the church, and there's all kinds of reasons and excuses why, why you shouldn't do that. But anyway, we, we did it, and it communicated a very clear message to our church that we intend to grow. We intend to be a church that reaches as many people as possible for Jesus Christ. Another big step of, of faith was by now we're in the Pleasant Valley Seventh-day Adventist Church. In fact, here's a picture of one of our early services. And you can see we've grown considerably at this point. And, and we broke the 200 attendance barrier and we never looked back. But here's something that happened. Within the first year of being in that church, they asked us to leave. They asked us to leave. And guess what? The day we needed to be out was the Sunday before Easter. And we had to get out of there. And so now we're looking, I'm looking everywhere to find another place. One of our leaders, Dr. Bruce Douglas, he, he went to their board and, and, and we, we both, we begged and we pleaded for them to let us stay. We offered them, you know, more rental money and all this stuff. Well, long story short, they let us stay. They let us stay. In fact, we ended up staying in that building for 11 years. 11 years. Now, if you've done the math, we were in the school four in the church 11, so that's 15 years of, of renting. But anyway, we're in this, this thing 11 years, and it just so happened that the pastor at the time resigned. Pastor, uh, I forgot his name, but he resigned, and a new pastor came on, and his name was Pastor George Gaynor. And I love George to death. In fact, George is still the pastor over there because he was for us. He loved us. And he fought for us to be able to grow our church in their facility. He's a sweet, kind-hearted, loving, gentle uh, kind of person. In fact, now that I think about it, most Pastor Georges I know are just that way. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> but anyway, he, they, I mean, we, did, we stayed in that building, and we grew to about 700 people. About 700 people, and that building only seats about 200. We had up as many as five services in multiple locations. But one of the biggest challenges to my faith personally was trying to find a place for us to meet. I mean, to buy property, rather. And, and I was, I, literally, I have knocked on, I knocked on every door in the, in the Happy Valley, Sunnyside area, Pleasant Valley area, trying to find property. And we just could not find property to build. 
And I remember one Sunday I was sitting on the front row in the church over there, and I was literally sobbing. And my shoulders are bouncing up and down because I'm just sobbing because, God, we can't find property, and we need to build. We've got to. This is a long, discouraging process. And so one day I knocked on the door of Mrs. Laura Westover's property. She lived in the corner house right over here. That house is no longer there anymore. We torn that one down. But I knocked on the door, and this sweet little lady comes to the door. Her name was Laura Westover. And I said, uh, my name is George Powell. This is my wife, Ann, and we just moved here from Indianapolis, and we're trying to find property to build a church. Do you know who owns this property out here? She says, well, I do. And she says, uh, and, I, and I asked her, I said, are you, are you looking to sell it? Do you want to sell it? She says, you know, as a matter of fact, I am. And I want $100,000, and I won't take a penny less. And I said, oh, we're so interested. And so let me talk to my leaders. Well, I went back to them, and no sooner could I get back to them. She called me. She says, you know, I've changed my mind. And I said, well, if you, if you change your mind again and you, and you want to sell the property, please let us know. And so she called me again, and she says, I've decided I'm going to sell the property. Well, then she called me again and said that we're not going to, I don't want to sell. I mean, she did that three or four times. Until finally, one day she called me, and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I remember exactly where I was standing in my house in the kitchen when she called, and she says, Pastor George, my doctor said I've got to sell the property and, uh, because I, I just can't afford to, to manage it any longer, but I've changed my mind. I want $250,000, and I won't take a penny less. And I said, well, that's okay. We still want your property, and so, so we bought the property. And so, and, and so we, we uh, bought the property. It was nine years before we were able to actually break ground on the property. I remember Pastor George took me out to lunch, and he says, so are you guys ever thinking about building? <laughs> it was just his kind way of saying, you guys need to get out of here. And so we had a groundbreaking ceremony that took place right here, right about where I'm standing is what you see there, and we broke ground. And on March the 21st, 2004, we moved into our first facility. Now, what's interesting, on March 14th, the last Sunday we were in the Pleasant Valley Seventh Adventist Church, we had 707 people in attendance that day. The day we moved into this building on March 21st, we had 1,419 people. I mean, we more than doubled. I mean, by three, but we more than doubled in attendance. Now, that was good, but it was also bad. And the reason it's bad is because one of the greatest threats to your future success is what? It's your present success. And it's so easy for us to get in this building and think, wow, look at this. We have doubled in attendance. We've got this building. Everything is great. We don't need to do anything else. And it's a dangerous place to be when you stop dreaming. It's a dangerous place to be when you're walking with God and you no longer have any dreams or visions or goals of what God wants you to do. And so we came across this, 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 this principle that has become so important to us, and, and this is what we needed to understand. Whenever our dreams of the future are greater than our memories of the past, we know we are moving forward with God. And so we had a great vision for the future. We wanted to continue growing, to continue developing. And so we added a second campus in Park Rose, and we worked hard to get it going, but we just couldn't get it to, to gain traction. But then in October of 2010, we added the Sandy campus. In April of 2014, we added the Vancouver campus. And just three years ago, we celebrated a 25th anniversary. We did that out at Oaks Park. And that was one of the most amazing days. You see the sea of people and all the people that came and all that God was doing in this whole process. But this is something we were learning all along the way. It's something you're going to have to wrestle with individually, just as we wrestled with as a church. Whenever you're walking by faith, there is a constant tension between faith and presumption. 
There's a constant tension between, is this a wise decision or is this a stupid decision? And you wrestle with that. And so this is the lesson we were learning. There's a fine line between faith and presumption, between trust and irresponsibility. And that line is almost impossible to see. And so we were asking ourselves all kinds of questions in this season. How much property should we buy? How big of a building should we build? Should we add a third service? Should we add a fourth service? Should we add a fifth service? Do we add a second campus? Do we add a third campus? Do we buy additional property? And on and on and on. Hundreds of questions that we ask. And let me tell you something, that over these 28 years, I can tell you without reservation that whenever we were confronted with a faith decision, we, we prayed fervently, we discussed it thoroughly, and we trusted God wholeheartedly. And every time, every single time, God came through and God provided every single time. And that's because your leaders are leaders of faith. And this is the lesson that we were learning and that we're still learning. If your dream doesn't scare you, then it's not big enough. If your dream doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. Now, the sad thing is some of you may not even be dreaming, and you're still stuck in your comfort zone. I challenge you to get out of that and get into the God zone. And it's going to be different for different people, but, but when you get out, if it doesn't scare you, then maybe your dream isn't big enough. And so how does God want you to respond in seasons where you're called to take your next step of faith? This is my answer to that question. Trust God more. Trust him in new ways, in fresh ways. Why? Because what was a step of faith yesterday may not be a step of faith today. And you need to trust God in new areas of your life. And so the verse that, that I claim and believe in this is Psalm 37, 5. Commit your way to the Lord, trust him, and he will act. And we've seen God do that over and over and over and over and over again. Trust God, commit your ways to him, and he'll act. What if you, what if you make the wrong decision? Well, make the wrong decision. God's big enough to deal with it. He can close the door. He can redirect. But step out and trust him. So here's the question for you. Where is God calling you to take your next step of faith? A little over a year ago, I started sensing a bit of restlessness in my spirit and feeling that maybe God was up to something, that maybe God was preparing um, Anne and me and consequently all of us to go through a season that that I now call a season of transition. And it just so happened that about a year ago, God was also moving in Jeremy and Michelle's heart and stirring them to a season of transition as well. Now for me, I don't know exactly for Jeremy, but for me, I kept putting this on the back burner. It was one of those things I didn't really want to think about. I didn't really want to have to face it. I didn't really want to have to deal with it. But it just kept lingering. And so eventually I began talking to my elder team about it. And we talked about it a lot. And we prayed about it a lot. We discussed it a lot. We even studied it a lot. And we began to talk about this thing of transition. Now, one of the immediate thoughts that comes to mind whenever we talk about transition as like we're in right now, 
the first thought that typically comes to mind with people is, what's wrong? What's wrong? Let me challenge you to think a little bit differently about that. That when seasons of transition come, instead of asking what's wrong, to consider what's right. What's right about this? I mentioned Dr. Henry Cloud's book, Necessary Endings, at the beginning of the message. And let me read a quote that I just dearly loved. I was sitting in bed the other night with my wife, and, and, and I read this to her. And it says this, life is composed of life cycles and seasons. Nothing lasts forever. Life cycles and seasons are built into the nature of everything. The problem comes when we do not accept or we willfully ignore these seasons. So believe in life cycles and seasons. They're real. Therefore, when the, time to change, when the time comes to change, you will not think something is wrong, but you will accept the change as readily as a farmer accepts the turning of the calendar. And then he made this statement. Endings are easier to embrace and execute when you believe something normal is happening. Here's the most difficult lesson that I've been learning in this season. And the lesson is this. Some of the best stories begin with the end. Think about it. Some of the best stories begin with the end. Now, maybe you think, what do, you, what do you mean by that? What I mean is this. Whenever something comes to an end, there's always a new beginning. Therefore, some of the best parts of your story have yet to be written. And they won't be written until you close the chapter or whatever chapter you're in. The best stories are yet to be written. I, I challenge you to think back across the course of your life. And I think you would find that some of the best parts of your story happened because another part came to a close. Think about it. 29 years ago, Anne and I made the decision to leave a ministry in Indianapolis, one that we dearly loved, to come to Portland and start Abundant Life Church. Abundant Life Church would not even be in existence today if we had not made the decision that we felt was based upon God's leading to close that chapter and to move here. Chapter 2 of Abundant Life Church will never be written until chapter 1 comes to a close. It really kind of brings us back around to the season of awareness and God opening our eyes to new opportunities, to a new direction. And actually come into a place in your own life where it is well with my soul that I'm in this season. And I want you to know something. I am very, very excited about chapter 2. I am so excited to see how God writes chapter 2 and how this chapter unfolds. And I'm excited for a couple of reasons. On a human level, I'm excited because I know Pastor Jeremy is going to be a great leader and a great teacher in this church. And I'm so excited to see how God uses him to write chapter 2. That's on the human level. On the spiritual level, and really what's the most important, and the reason I'm excited about this is, is, is because of this. Even though seasons change, even though seasons come to a close and end, there is something that never changes. 
You know what that is? It's God and the promises of God. And so the same promise that God laid on Anne's heart and my heart 28 years ago was true then. That promise is true today. And I want you to read that promise with me as we close. God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I'm going to ask if you'd bow your head and let's pray. God, I believe that. I believe with all of my heart that your word is true and that the promise you made to Ann and me 28 years ago that you could do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, that promise is true today. And God, I believe that some of the best stories begin with the end. And while, Father, this chapter 1 is coming to a close, we believe that, that you're still writing the story and that you will carry through to completion that which you have begun and how Abundant Life Church is in that story and how each of us is in that story. And you'll bring it through to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory because you're a God who's moving, you're acting, and you're writing a story. And we get to be a part of it. And we give you praise. And all God's people said, amen. amen.